Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is Blog Talk Radio, where the dashboard never works. Hi, I'm Reverend John St. Germain, and welcome to uh, episode 78 of the Crystal Silence League Hour. And tonight we're going to discuss uh, lessons and history and all kinds of interesting stuff about the tarot. And uh, we're going to talk about crystals, and we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the influence of Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell on the tarot and why that's not a good thing in my opinion and so as we um, do this I'm sitting here watching the, the spinning wheel of death you know if you listen to earlier episode, there he is there it is right there I'll be right back as our theme music plays absurd that there's a one minute and 20 second delay from the time I cue the music and the time it actually plays. And, you know, we pay for premium service. That's what we get. We get the service, all right. And um, where was I? Oh, yes. This is the Crystal Silence League Hour. And for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, the Crystal Silence League was formed around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of projecting personal and private affirmation and prayer for all those in need of these things. And he did this with the agency of the Crystal Ball. And we do this um, now on the Internet because he passed away into the silence in 1954. And around... Um, 2007, I believe, the uh, adepts of the Association of Independent Churches brought it back to life via the internet. You can find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org, where people post prayers, and prayer is always free. We have a gift shop where you can buy gifts, such as crystals, crystal balls, and church fans, and with any purchase, of $12 or more, you get a free copy of our book, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, that teaches you how to use crystal balls for projection and reception of the gift waves that adepts of the Crystal Silence League send out daily. And our crystal of the week is a pietersite, which is a very interesting stone. This is a, an amalgam. It's a type of quartz, and it's a amalgam of several different types of stone. It's um, it's got tiger's eye, hawk's eye, and jasper, and it's a multicolored stone. If you see it, it's a swirling mixture of different colors. It can have orange and red and blue and brown, sometimes green, and uh, dark brown to black, and uh, it looks like a, a thunderstorm, um, and this is a very physical stone. It resonates to the lower chakras mostly, 
and um, it activates uh, very strongly all the chakras of the body. body. Um, and this is uh, an amazing stone, uh, it is said, for helping release long-stored and long-trapped, long-pent-up energies. Uh, if you have repressed feelings, repressed conflicts, this will help release those and bring about a great sense of closure and relaxation. And uh, it can help uh, open up blocked relationships. It can help with uh, addiction issues, some say. We do not make any claims of a medical nature on this show. Um, it can help um, help with um, to calm you and de-stress you and relax you. And um, they, they do say this is one of the more grounding stones. And it's used quite a bit in healing emotional issues. To um, make an infusion of it, it's a very hard stone. It's uh, probably pretty safe to use it as a direct infusion. I do not do this, though, um, with anything these days. I, I'm very cautious about direct infusions of anything. Um, I just don't know how safe it is to ingest any kind of stone. So I always do all my infusions indirectly. That When you do that, you put your stone in a vessel of some sort, another container that's sealed, and you put that in the water and let the vibrations of the stone uh, infuse the water. Uh, you can do this in the sun for healing, the moon for magic. Take it out, add a few drops of brandy into your water and uh, to keep mold from growing, and then decant it. And that's our stone of the week. Periodite. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see our prayer page. And uh, we always read these prayers aloud each week. And we never use the uh, person's names, although I see your names and your you, your beautiful faces. We uh, only go a prayer ID number. And uh, we should start right now, shouldn't we, and read a few prayers aloud. We can start with prayer ID number 83793, who prays... Uh, for uh, advancement in life and finances. And uh, uh, this person prays, help me succeed as a new manager. Help me win the hearts of all that are around me. Help me learn the way to connect and influence people to help me advance my career and help me keep calm, help me speak clearly and eloquently. I know I can be the very best. Help me feel at my very best at all times. And this is prayer ID 83792. He says, I pray to meet my soulmate or husband this summer. I know you're in search for me. I know all of the universe is conspiring to bring us together. And for that, I am already so grateful. I know you will have all that I'm searching for and more. I know you'll be ready for me and give me your loyalty and commitment willing. I pray to see you soon. Thank you. And someone else praying for a financial miracle. Prayer ID 83791, who prays that God's will has already granted unto me the desire of my heart so that these finances shall be used to fulfill my vows to God in the church. He prays for thousands and millions of dollars to be in my bank account soon. Also, to free me to always have for whatever God wants me to do or give or to go, praying for abundance plus 100% service-connected disability and all the back pay and benefits that comes with it in essence of God's favor. Amen. Then we have prayer ID 83789, who says, I want my ex to think only of me and to only desire to be with me. I want my ex to return to me and love me. As his queen. I want my ex to call me and come to be filled with love, passion, and joy in his heart to be with only me and let his love for me to show in every way and every day in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And prayer ID 83786. Dearest friends, please pray that I will get this new job of my choice. With this employer of my choice, please pray that it will be a great transition with better pay, benefits, hours, 
and co-workers management, please pray that this new job come to me immediately. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 83787. Please pray for me. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish upon us the work of our hands. Yea, the work of our hands established thou in Psalm 90. Amen. Prayer ID 83785. To praise that all harmful work and intentions against me be revoked forever and that I be protected from further harm. I desire to live a peaceful, joyous, prosperous life free from the ill wishes of others. Amen. And prayer ID 83784. Protect me, my St. Francis house, my cats. Dismo and egg roll my car. You can say cats names, I guess. My family, my business, and my reputation from a malicious spirit by the name of B.W. and his girlfriend, D. I have told the truth, and now I am free of any bonds from that previous connection in Jesus' name. I am independent and free from any evil eye, any potential ill intent. I deflect it all back to sender. Amen. Prayer ID 83782. My friend T.S., has got something on him and has for a while the woman that lives with him has convinced him her child is his and she has him drinking every day like she does and she is having sex with all his friends and he doesn't believe it T has went downhill and I'm asking for your prayers to get this or any spell on him off the woman gone thank you prayer ID 83781 I have been blessed to have finally been contacted by a recruiter about a job. I really need this job. I need it like yesterday, but the hiring manager is traveling, and this is what is keeping me from being interviewed. Please pray for a miracle that I can be interviewed and receive a job offer as soon as possible. This is the first major opportunity. This has come my way in eight months. I really need this job. Please pray for me and my family. Please, amen. Prayer ID 83779. I pray with all my heart that my relationship with the father of my children, DMM, works out well, and we are happy together again and stay together for good this time. I pray for happiness and stability in our relationship. Amen. In prayer ID 83778, will you please? that all the damage and harm caused to my teeth and face by the bad dentist will be completely corrected very soon. Oh, how horrible. And will be better in function and appearance than ever before. I had been seeing a bad dentist for several years, paid him to do the crowns to save several of my teeth, and he tried to defraud me by telling me I needed extra work that I did not need. When he had to give me a partial refund, he got angry and badly damaged my teeth and injured my face. How terrible. Amen. And one more. Prayer ID 83777. I pray that my son could call me often, be honest, and stop distancing himself. I also pray that he stops drinking and smoking, focus on his spirituality, future, and do better with his life. I believe that this prayer, he will remember that he has a mother and a sister who loves him no matter what and miss him so much. Amen. Well, let's have a moment of silent prayer and meditation for all those in need of comfort and strength.
Amen. I sure hope everybody's doing well this week. It seems like there's a, a, a tension in the air uh, lately. It could be, I think, is it Pluto, Saturn, uh, uh, and Jupiter all in retrograde? Uh, there's a lot of planets out in the fringe of the solar system in retrograde. And I don't care what NASA says. Pluto, in my book, is always going to be a planet. They'll change their mind if they haven't already. Pluto, I'm still, I'm still on your side, man. You know, I'm rooting for you. Well, we've been working our way slowly through the major arcana, uh, basically on a dare. Someone told me on a forum, um, they're talking about the major arcana and uh, some of the people that are producing decks are only doing the major arcana. And said, so, well, you can't do readings just the major arcana. And I said, well, I can actually do about an hour on each one of the major arcana. And they said, no, you can't. And I said, are you daring me? And so <laughs> the uh, result of that is a series. So here we go. And I may not do an hour on every card. We would be here till Christmas. But maybe it just turns out that sometimes apparently I am. So, But we've worked our way up to strength in the in the rider weight deck. Number eight. I say in the rider weight deck, strength is number eight. Because in uh, the rider weight deck, um, weight changed. He exchanged uh, strength with justice. Because um, in the Tarot of Marseille, um, justice is number eight. Look it up. If you have a Tarot of Marseille, look it up. Justice is number eight, and uh, strength is uh, number nine, or something like that. But anyway, uh, we find that justice is number eight. And um, this is a very strange thing to do. Um why? You know, why was this done? Um, and uh, he gave, he himself gave no explanation. Um, he gave no explanation. And um, um, well, Justice was 11, I think. Um, but he gave no, uh, he gave no explanation. And um he, he actually kind of spoke down to the reader. Let, I have my copy here. He said, um, um, justice is usually number eight. Um, uh, the variation carries nothing which will signify to the reader there is no cause for explanation. Well, well thanks, you know, because I, I kind of wanted an explanation. But, um, 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 <laughs> Um, and I didn't get any, but I, I think I know why. I think I do have a, a reason why. Um, and um, I believe the um, yeah strength is uh, eleven in the Tarot of Versailles, and um, justice is eight. That's right. So he exchanges eight and eleven. I believe it was because of a narrative that he wanted to tell. And uh, we will talk about that in just a minute. But um, if you look at different um, versions of the tarot that came out at about that time, you'll notice that um, Aleister Crowley uh, and Paul Foster Case, who were other spiritual leaders of that time, placed strength as eight and justice as 11 because they all followed the order of the Golden Dawn, who had a secret tarot deck, who also switched the two cards. Now, why did they do that? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so we had these secret orders. They all had processes of initiation. Um, they believed that the uh, order of the tarot told a story from you know, 1 to 21, and the fool drifted 
know, from beginning to end. And uh, uh, the uh, Order of the Golden Dawn believed that they were uh, in touch with uh, secret spirit instructors, you know, ascended masters, and that they were following the instructions of these ascended masters uh, to be initiated into higher uh, uh, mysteries. So if you ask them, well, why did you exchange those two cards? Well, because our spirits told us to, right? Um, now, initiation into higher mysteries is a for, uh, it's a process of psychological and spiritual transformation. So we understand that by following the line of the tarot, it was believed that there was a process being described, right, from the fool up to the world. So, so it's worth considering this transposition of strength and justice. So if we look at the old arrangement, the image of justice suggests a weighing and balancing. And we're reminded since a lot of these mystic orders went back to the concept of uh, Egyptian mythology. Um, many people think of Crowley, for instance, thinking about the Book of Toth. We think about Anubis weighing the heart of the uh, the soul you know, when you die, he weighs your heart against a feather. And, uh, you know, if your heart's heavy, then off to hell you go, right? So this idea of weighing and balancing injustice, uh, you weigh your life in the balance. Uh, you're weighing your inner and outer selves. You know, have you been so concerned about the uh, trappings of success, the material world that you neglected your inner self? Um, have you been, have you lived a justified existence? So justice in the first position rather than the later position would mean an, uh, an earlier assessment of your life coming after the chariot where we see this as a, uh, uh, the, uh, comp competition, the, uh, opposing forces, we see that this is a very important position, right? We we saw last week that uh, the chariot can show opposing forces. Justice shows us bringing those opposing forces into balance. But if this is um, the the case, the search for justice means that we have to learn what, what exactly it takes to bring these forces into balance. We look at the two cards together. There's the chariot, opposing forces. Wow. Then justice. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Um, that's heavy. That's heavy. However, that's the old way, right? right? The Rider Weight deck, the next card is strength, which means that it's a uh, it's a different card. Uh, so there we are. Wow. Um, so this, what we see in the Justice card is uh, Justice holding a sword, the double-edged sword of Justice which implies action, right? A response to the uh, knowledge gained. So uh, wait, moved that further down the line. He says, oh, we're not ready yet. We've got these opposite forces, uh, but we're not ready for that. Because remember, in Waite's view, this is a narrative, and we're going to discuss that in a minute. We're going to put strength there instead. And so we see this image uh, this image shows a woman taming a lion. This image suggests the energy of the unconscious, the inner self, the calmness, because this, this woman is very calm, released and calm, tamed, taming the savage impulses. 
this idea would easily belong in this middle position, right? The opposing forces trying to tear you apart, being tamed by reason and by spiritual calmness. So we see why this would be placed there rather than the the intellectual force, the uh, the idea of justice later on, which is which requires more uh, sophistication. The search inward can't be accomplished by the power of the ego in White's view. We need to confront feelings first and desires which have nothing to do with the conscious mind. If we attempt to transform ourselves by a wholly rational process, we will create another kind of persona. We'll create a mask, not our real selves at all. All we do is repress these uh, feelings, these desires, these uh, savage instincts. We don't ever balance them. We don't ever uh, tame them. We just suppress them. And in fact, something like this happens very often, leading to depression, anxiety, and unhappiness. Uh, many people feel this lack of joie de vivre, this lack of zest, this lack of enjoyment in life, this lack of spontaneity in their lives. And, you know, if you go look in a bookstore, self-help books fill aisles. There's more books written on self-help, self-development um, there are more life coaches. There are more counselors. There are more books on pop psychology. Look at the daytime talk shows. Oh, my God, Dr. Phil, um, all these shows, Oprah. Um, and uh, people are always looking at uh, how to feel better, Joel Olstein books. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh, everything, because they feel that something is missing. And they people feel uh, such people feel uncomfortable around truly spontaneous and joyful people and they resent it they resent these people who can laugh spontaneously act spontaneously and enjoy themselves spontaneously and rather than follow uh, this rather frightening process represented by the strength card of um, really of taming those repressed feelings um, they they can sometimes imitate spontaneity. Uh, these are the people, you'll sometimes see them. They Rather than having a spontaneous wit, they imitate uh, comedy routines. They'll, they'll imitate other comedians. They'll, they'll, they'll play tapes of uh, conversations that they've heard, or they'll, uh, they'll run through imitations of comedians rather than uh, uh, generate spontaneity, spontaneous wit. And uh, I will tell you that uh, people such as this often go into magic, and they will completely imitate uh, another magician's routines, word by word and move by move. Many magicians that you watch uh, who aren't like the big professional magicians are just learning and imitating other magicians' material. Uh, it's uh, Ricky Jay said magic is the only art form that's defined by the amateurs. Isn't that funny? And, uh, of course, a lot of singers do the same thing. They sing other people's material. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you always see people, some guys at a party who's just uh, acting foolish, and he's uh, imitating. He's He watched Comedy Central last night, and he's just telling you what some other comedians said. They don't have true spontaneity. They're... Uh, imitating somebody's spontaneity. Um, so by making strength number eight, we said it next to the chariot. It's a different kind of power. It's not the, the power of the ego, but the inner strength to confront yourself calmly and without fear. And this is what we see. Imagine going up to a lion, uh, you know, the king of the beast. The lion is the king of the jungle. All creatures fear the lion. All creatures respect the lion. Imagine doing what this person has done. Going, confronting that savageness, which we all have that. We all have that savage in us. If you think you don't, you've just never been pushed far enough. 
You've never confronted yourself. You've never looked in yourself and uh, seen that. You've never looked down into the abyss and had it look back. We all have that in us. We have that capacity. It's hardwired into us. Uh, endocrinologically, we're not much different than we were in the Stone Age. We are uh, taken away from society. We are not much different than our Stone Age ancestors. Give us a club and a stone knife and send us out. Um, take away the veneer of society, and we would go right back to that savageness. We would. And uh, the inner strength to confront ourselves calmly and without fear, that's what we have. And we confront these inner mysteries of, of savagery, the veneer of civilization stripped away. What are we like? Can we face that? We don't like to think of that. We like to think that we're made in the image of God, that we were divine, that we're perfect, but we're not. We're not. We have that capacity, though, to, to look at ourselves. Unlike the animals of the forest, we can look at that inside as an observer. We have an observer, a calm and rational observer, and we can look at that. And can we look at that calmly and without fear and say, yes. Yes, I'm a killer. I'm I'm a savage killer, but today I will not kill. The line signifies all these feelings and fears and desires and confusions that the ego suppresses in our attempt to control life and control ourselves. And the charioteer, the card before, uh, drew upon all these energies as a source of energy. But was always very careful to direct these energies where he consciously decided it should go. The charioteer is the is the driver, right? But strength allows the inner passions to emerge. In a, the first attempt to direct this energy beyond the ego. So we can see on, on this very simple level when we see this card, this emergence of suppressed feelings in this person who can allow themselves to act in that childishly spontaneous, that childlike spontaneous way to weep, to scream. I used to, do, do you remember uh, there was a, uh, a therapy called primal scream therapy um, uh, it, where you just let it out. You just screamed and let it out. Um, it, it's no, it, they used to be called est therapy too. Um, the idea was that whatever you felt, you expressed it. And this was supposed to cleanse you, etc. But this is the emergence of expressing yourself in a way that you no longer seem foolish or embarrassing. Dance like no one's looking. Do you ever hear that? Dance like no one's watching. But on a deeper level, uh, this line symbolizes your entire force of personality, who you really are, your unconditioned self. This um, civilization process, the socialization process, sometimes masks our true self. Strength releases this energy in order to use it as a kind of fuel. And often it takes us a great deal of isolation and solitude to learn that, to learn who we are. And we can only understand this if we let that lion romp and frolic and be himself for a while. But at the same time, we have to also be that woman and, and, and tame and soothe it. And uh, strength opens up that personality. Uh, it's like, a you know, those cans that you open up and snakes come out of it? You know, the spring snakes, it's kind of like that, but we have to do it with a sense of peace and calmness, otherwise, we won't do it. We have to understand that the process of self discovery is not terrifying. A lot of people will never do this because they're afraid of what they'll see. A lot of people who come to me for readings are terrified, they're scared of what I'm going to tell them. But we have to understand that the process of self discovery is exciting and wonderful not terrifying. We approach this lion, you see, 
or we think we're going to be devoured. But if we look at the strength card, we see the lion is really as tame as a puppy. So we look at these pictures of um, the two cards, the chariot and the lion. And we see the chariot shows a man and strength shows a woman. And traditionally, if we think of the history of these symbols, um, these represent rationality and emotion, aggression and surrender. And the chariot's number seven belongs to male magic and the number eight to female. And we even see the number eight over the woman's head, the sign of infinity. The male body contains seven openings. If you count the noses, one, and the female body contains eight openings. The, this does not work out by accident in these cards. Every bit of this was thought out. And these, the symbolism arises from anatomy, which is often uh, brought up in sex magic. The male body possesses seven points, the arms and legs, the head, the center, and the penis. And the female possesses eight, the breasts replacing the penis. All these, all these are worked into these images. So what do we mean by male and female magic? Esoteric theory considers sexual energy as a manifestation of the energy principles underlying the entire universe. I had to write that down. <laughs> Male and female being similar to the positive and negative poles of magnets. Through manipulation of these two magnetic poles, magic power can result. This is Tantra. The occultist considers these principles a science, not theory, not esotericism, but a science. Correct? It's um, no more mysterious than the modern scientists' uh, manipulation of electromagnetism or atomic power. So you can look at the, uh, the lovers as an energy circuit and chariot and strength belong as another energy circuit the magician and the high priest an energy circuit so psychologically these embody two kinds of power and in many societies including ours we emphasize the masculine force of control conquest dominating the world through reason and will but the feminine qualities of intuition and spontaneous emotion are not weaknesses. We cannot ever see them as weaknesses. To release your deepest emotions with love and faith requires great courage and great strength. So strength position, number eight, links the card to the magician through the infinity sign, the reversal of sex indicates a joining of aspects from both the male and female archetypes. The magician's active involvement with life has been modified by the inner peace implied in the high priestess. There's one, two, three. And, of course, we have images uh, in this card that also link her to the empress. The empress re represents natural instincts and passion, emotional energy, released and tamed. Weight describes the flower belt around uh, this woman's waist is another infinity sign, one loop around the woman's waist and the other around the lion's neck. And you can describe strength as a magician united with the empress, that is the magician's power of consciousness and direction has mingled with the empress's sensuality, combining a sense of purpose and leading on its way to the next card in line which will be the hermit. And you'll notice that for the first line in the uh, tarot, one plus three equals four, which is the emperor. For the second line, one plus three becomes multiplied by two, the inner truth of the high priestess. There's a numerology you'll notice in the rider weight sequence that we might discuss later. Another aspect of this trump carries this unity of one and three still further. The Hebrew letter giving by case and others to strength is teth. 
and Teth refers Kabbalistically to snake, but the Hebrew for snake also means magic. And so all over the world, people have made this connection from the snakes on Hermes' magic wand to the kundalini power of tantric occultism in India and Tibet. And the snake in kundalini and elsewhere stands for sexuality. And the tarot, as we know from the serpent twined around the tree of life behind the woman on the lovers, considers sexuality to be a force toward enlightenment. And so if strength esoterically stands for the actual practice of sexual magic, eh, eh? psychologically it refers again to releasing that energy bound up in our strongest feelings. And so when we compare strength with the devil, as we will later on, we'll see that the release here is actually a partial one. The lion is controlled and directed rather than allowed to take the self wherever it wants to go. And so we see strength is a card that weight intended in an esoteric level to stand for the practice of sexual magic. Let's take a moment for station identification while you put that in your pipe and smoke it. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7, all time specific, Add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So the woman and the lion, the the lion and the woman, the lineum and the yoni, yes, I do maintain that. Um, in alchemy, the line stands for gold, the sun, and sulfur. Sulfur is the lower element, and gold in alchemy is the highest. And so the process by which sulfur becomes gold is precisely the process of transforming the lower self. And in the, the design of temperance, the last card of this particular line, if you divide the tarot into three into threes, as many people do, with its liquid poured from one cup to another depicts the alchemical goal of blending the opposite into a new and more meaningful existence. We see this card as a transformation of the tantric process of turning the base elements into the higher elements. So those who find life a matter of strict control, who see the unconscious as a moral sewer of repressions, (laughs) uh, which is a term used by uh, Jung, I think, and find the passions a torment, we'll see the line as the natural forces which the rational mind must overcome. And some of the older tarot decks, uh, including the old Visconti deck, show Heracles killing the Nemean lion, overcoming the lower passions by force. You see the old morality there. The passions conquered by reason, but the lion also stood for Christ, right? The radiant power of uh, God's love. So those who allow the unconscious energy within themselves to emerge, guiding it with love and faith in life, will discover that this energy is not a destructive beast at all, but the same spiritual force drawn down through the lightning rod of the magician. So in reading this card of strength, is it the ability to face life? Is it some difficult problem or time of change? Is it the ability to face all these problems with hope and eagerness, taming that fear? Does it show a person strong from within, experiencing life with uh, passion and spontaneity, but with an inner calm and peace? Uh, Does this card represent the finding of the strength to begin or continue some difficult project despite fear and emotional strain? Um, It can, yes. It sure can, but it can mean all these other things as well. Now, does strength reverse indicate weakness? Does it indicate giving in to your lusts and desire? Oh, sure it can. It sure can. 
it can mean all these other things as well. Um, there's a great Buddhist sage uh, named Milarepa who said many, many things. One of the great things he said was, if you chase after your thoughts without discipline, you're like a dog chasing a stick. He said, instead, be like a lion. You only throw a stick at a lion once. I just love that saying. Now, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, something about this uh, this idea of a narrative. Um, the um, the uh, oddly enough, um, this came up in a conversation the other day. And uh, someone asked about uh, if I knew anything about the fool's journey in tarot. I said yes, I do, and uh, I don't. I, I think it's foolishness, and uh, that may come as a surprise to some of you. You know, the three people that listen to my show. Um, at one time, I thought maybe it was uh, it was a good idea. That I think the fool's journey comes out of Young, by way of Joseph Smith, and. Uh, or Joseph Campbell, not Joseph Smith. <laughs> yeah, Joseph Smith was a great tarot reader. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, I, I do think some of the esoteric schools that uh, came up around the time of the Golden Dawn and Rider Waite may have been affected by the same thinking that affected Carl Jung and uh, certainly Jung influenced Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And, uh, I am not a fan of uh, Campbell's uh, universal thinking. He was a universalist, and uh, he claimed that these archetypes, uh, and Jung claimed these archetypes, arose in all cultures, and only in a very general sense, if you don't go very deeply into the cultures, is this true? Uh, if, as soon as you start to go deeply into the cultures, you realize that it's a real stretch to say that these archetypes are universal. It's a real stretch. And that, uh, unfortunately, Joseph Campbell's theories fall apart if you go into them very deeply. Um, and the hero's journey falls apart if you go into it very deeply. Um, um, does uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh really follow the hero's journey? No, it really doesn't. Uh, the the saga of Osiris, no, no, it really doesn't. And the tale of Jesus, no, it really doesn't. Go, walk, going into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights does not constitute going into the underworld and coming back with a magical object. No, it, it really doesn't. Um, and, uh, uh, well, he didn't like Jewish uh, culture anyway, but go into that on your own. So the fool's journey is a metaphor. Uh, for the journey through life that says that every major arcana card stands for a stage on this journey. And the fool uh, starts with uh, someone in a naive position and the fool immediately encounters the magician and the high priestess um, that are balancing forces. And then uh, he encounters the uh, empress as his mother and the emperor as his father. And you see a lot of uh, young and Freud in these uh, images. Then uh then he's exposed to the beliefs of the uh, culture and formal education in the form of the Hierophant. Um, he experiences uh, sex and love in the form of the lovers. Um, then uh, the chariot stands for uh, discipline and willpower, strength. Um, um, is how he rises over uh, disappointment, delusion, uh, the hermit is when he begins to introspect the wheel of fortune. Um, uh, is um, how he sees the universe coming together. Now the fool has to decide uh, what this, what all this vision of how the universe, the clockwork universe works means to him. Um, so he starts to look for the cause and effect of things. Uh, and he takes responsibility and tries to make amends for his, uh, actions and learn about just justice so uh, uh, so then he uh, the during the hanged man phase he 
goes through a process of initiation or penance. Uh, then there's the death and rebirth phase, right? By death, you know, going through death. He has to, the old him has to die and the new one reborn, which is a, a very, to me, foolish uh, or watered down interpretation of the death card. Then um, uh, when he encounters uh, temperance, the fool, see, we're still dealing with the fool, right? We're not left the fool behind. Um, has to balance. They reach a middle path through temperance. Um, now um, uh, he has to uh, cast off ignorance, which is uh, um, the devil. Now, how does he free himself from the devil? Uh, he has to have his illusions blasted away, which is the power. Now he gets inspiration, which is the, the star and um then the illusions of the world, he has to confront those by the moon. He has clarity through the sun. Um, he's reborn. Uh, his false ego has been shed, and he's reborn in a new identity uh, via judgment. And then he reenters the world with a complete understanding, a sort of enlightenment, and that's the world card. And sometimes he returns back. To the state of the fool, but it's an enlightened fool. It's a childlike innocence. Um, so, this is a, a synopsis of the fool's journey. You see, it's kind of based on the hero's journey or the Jungian archetypes, and it's utter rubbish. It's an utter rubbishy way to read the tarot, in my opinion. Uh, it locks the cards into an identity. Um, you know, like you pull the Empress, you say, okay, this is your mother. This is the mother image. Um, it robs each card of its richness, of its history, of its um, imagery. It um, it completely ruins the divinatory process where the card can actually speak to you through spirit. If you get something like uh, the chariot and the hierophant together, you cannot do a um, – the chariot, the hierophant, and the four clubs or the four of wands together – you cannot do a synergistic reading with it, um, and it's rubbish. It's 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 putting the cards into an artificial uh, construct. Uh, furthermore, the theory behind it, the archetypal theory, is uh, based on specious reasoning. This is this is all my my opinion on this. You, you may disagree. You may think the fool's journey is a wondrous thing, uh, and and you're entitled to that, but. All I know is that the people who have done readings for me using the Fool's Journey, uh, the readings have been very contrived and uh, boxed, boxed readings. Um, um, it might, have been, might as well have been Zoltar doing the reading for me from a booth. And uh, it limits your ability to do intuitive. It's like a canned reading. It's like the little white book reading. You might as well just look it up in the little white book. Um, it completely maybe when you first start it might be a good model when you first start but I just think it's foolish um, it's it's a uh, intellectual exercise however I do think that these uh, schools of initiation may have been very fond of them as a uh, um, esoteric school they built in uh, sort of an instruction manual for their uh, initiates um, and put a lot of symbolism in it for those who knew how to read it and we can work on that assumption I, w I suppose and you may disagree with everything I've just said about the fool's journey you may think it's a wonderful thing and you, maybe you work with it and can do great readings with it um, I think it's based on some very flawed theories uh, Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung. I just don't think there's a lot to that. I, I truly don't. I truly don't. I think those are very archaic uh, ideas that have been completely discredited. And um, you know, let 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 the emails commence. Uh, I see we've only got a few minutes left. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit more about. Oh, I guess some other things. I guess next week we want to talk about the uh, the hermit. 
we could talk a little bit more about the lion, I suppose. Um, lion, um, one of the things about this image that's always struck me is the utter isolation of the two figures. They're out in the middle of a field, which has always struck me that if you do this process, this process of taming yourself, there's some process of isolation, and this has always struck me as the creative process. To me, this is a card that speaks very much to the mystic or the artist, that confronting yourself is a creative process, and there's no better way to confront yourself than through creativity. Sit down and write, journal, just sit down and start writing, get a blank book and just start writing, and be honest. No one else is going to read this. And Facebook is not journaling, by the way. Uh, writing down all the things that piss you off or um, random observations on Facebook, that's not journaling. That's, you're, you're writing for an audience when you do that. Journaling is a lost art, and it's one that I mourn to see. We don't leave records for our future generations. I used to find boxes of uh, letters and documents that my ancestors, my grandfather, grandmother, aunts, and uncles wrote, we won't have that for our kids. Do you really think the internet is going to last forever? That these random things you write on Facebook and Instagram are going to be found by your kids and grandkids? I don't really think so. Where's your MySpace page? You know, for instance, I have no idea. And I think about things that I wrote that were really funny on some old internet forums, and they're gone. I'll never find them again. I wrote... Uh, 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 I wrote Dr. Seuss for the Satanists on one forum, and it was really, I don't even know where it is. You know, I wish I saved it. Um, and uh, Buddhist nursery rhymes, one time I don't know where it is, and there's some really funny stuff I wrote 10 or 15 years ago, and I have no idea, no idea where it is. But I have some stuff I wrote in high school that I still have. I still have it from 45 years ago. I wrote it in high school, and I still have it in a folder. I've got drawings I did in high school, but stuff on the Internet is gone. It's gone. So journal. Write a journal and uh, go back and read it, and you'll see the person you were. It's a history of the person you were. Plus, it's a creative process, and you'll find that you do confront this, this uh, image of, the, of, the, uh, of strength, of your higher self taming the inner self, the beast, and uh, transforming that raging power into something that can be directed. Oh, the madness, the create, the madness of creativity. It's a wonderful thing. I used to paint, and it's a, it's a dual process, creativity. There's lyrical and critical. The lyrical part is the madness. Then the critical part comes in and edits, and that's the wonderful part. It's a wonderful part. If you... Bring in the critical part too soon, you destroy your creative creative part. That's another lecture, I think. We'll come back next week. Let's go out on a little bit of a uh, little bit of music, shall we? And uh, I'll see you next week. You know the Reverend loves you. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details